the biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What up, guys? This is Dr. Vic, and you are on the Mindful Experiment as we dive into another amazing interview. And today's guest, as I had the honor to uh, interview and talk with, and I apologize if I mess up his last name, but it's Adam Hergen Rother. He is the founder and CEO of Adam Hergen Rother Companies. In less than 10 years, Adam has built this rapidly growing company through his commitment to thinking big and never giving up. Fearless and purposeful, unconventional and systematic, Adam sets a seemingly impossible goal and then quickly gets to work on closing the gap to achieve it. No limits, no regrets. This is my kind of guy. He's a real estate industry leader and speaker. Adam is known for his commitment to transformational personal growth, developing high-performing teams, leadership trainings. Adam is a graduate of the University of Vermont. This guy was awesome. We dove into some great things. He really breaks down how to really plan your day and how to get stuff done, how to take time for you, but then also to be purposeful. He gets up around three, four in the morning and he sets his day that's all about him. And then all of a sudden he'll talk about being with family, then how he gets in with uh, work, how he takes more time for him and then he gets back to work and then it's family again. This guy was an amazing individual. We talk about the mediocrity and what is mediocrity and the detox that he, mediocrity detox that he does and so much more. So he really great gems in this podcast. It was really a lot of fun for me to interview him and have that opportunity. So I'm excited you're here. I don't want to steal any more thunder from this guy. He's absolutely amazing. And really, I was blessed to have him on. So with no further ado, here is Adam Hergenrother. Adam, man, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. And I want to just thank you for helping with all the things that you do and getting people out of mediocrity and just inspiring them. I know how much time and energy it goes into putting these together. So I just wanted to thank you for all that you're doing to help uh, change the world. Man, I appreciate that, brother. Uh, I really do. Yeah, when I, when I, seeing what you do and stuff, I was just like, this is right up our alley. I know we're going to have an awesome episode here. And I was like, I couldn't wait to just jump dive in with you yeah. and so forth. So I'm stoked that you're here. Yeah, thank you. So you've done a lot of things, man, and we got so much to dive into. Um, you know, one of the things is, I, you know, as I was doing my research and stuff, seeing how, you know, self-employed realtor to owning multiple companies, speaking all over the world, brother, I love that, commend you for that. You know, what is like one thing that, or some things that you can attribute uh, most to your success and growth from that? Well, um, well, kind of, I'll share a little story with it. It kind of all started when I was about 16 years of age. Up to I was about 16 years of age, I was about 100 pounds overweight. I was, uh, you know, I was in the drugs. I was failing classes. You know, uh, Dr. Vic, I was really that kind of role model student you wanted your kid to hang out with at that point in my life. <laughs> and, uh, um, so one day I, 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 you know, did this weird thing. I came home and I started crying, which was weird for me. And I literally started. Uh, realized that I had hit a point where I was no longer going to live in mediocrity. And I didn't, I couldn't say it as articulate as I, I can, t I can today, but at the moment I just knew there was kind of like, I had enough, right? Like I knew there was something more to life than what I was living. I was living somebody else's life. I was exaggerating. I was lying. I was trying to always be somebody I'm not. It was just, it was exhausting. And so I literally just all bent up and I came home and I just started crying. And about midnight, my dad came in from work. Nice shift. And he came in, he, he saw me and he, you know, that kind of fatherly love, he walked in and he goes, well, you can do two things. You can accept it or you can do something about it. And he walked out. <laughs> I was like, nice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so I stayed up all night kind of visualizing, not like, 
like positive thinking type thing, just kind of visualizing what I really wanted my life to look like, right? And like where, where it could go. And I didn't know how I was going to close the gap, but I just knew there was something more. So I, uh, I ended up stopped hanging out with all the friends that I was hanging out with. And they ended up signing, they ended up stealing everything that I owned like two weeks later. And there's police on campus. It was it turned into this huge ordeal. Um, so they're really good friends. But then I, uh, so I kind of moved past them and I kind of found myself in this kind of flux situation and ended up losing a hundred pounds in the next year. Uh, I stopped doing drugs. I kind of reclaimed myself. I started playing sports, which is why physical fitness is so important to me now because it really was the um, kind of gateway for me to be able to take kind of like my my ADD, if you will, uh, or my just energy load and apply it to something healthy versus applying it to something that was a negative back then. And so I took that energy to that and that kind of got me into a new path um, in my life. And I bring that story up because people look and say, wow, you're 37, you're, you've accomplished a lot, and you're successful. And, and I, I just remind them that I'm no different than anybody else. I've just been working on myself since I was 16. So I've got 21 years experience on this from, you know, um, from when I, time I started doing this. And so you ask me kind of like the one thing that has helped me get there, a couple things. It's just been always understanding that there's something more, but also having peace with where you're at so you don't strive to be something constantly that you're not by missing the entire journey of life. And so for me, it, I believe that life's about all the experiences that we can have on a daily basis. Experiences mean negative experiences and they mean positive experiences. And so therefore, I embrace all of them because I know that business is truly nothing but a conduit for our personal growth. I love it, man. A lot of good nuggets right there already. Um, you know, one of the things I struggled with in life early was is how, what you just said at the end is how to be at peace where, where you are now. Did, what, did you have like a strategy or was it something that you just said that was like, done deal, this is how I'm going to take it and that's it and I'm just going to smell the roses? I mean, how did you get to that point? Yeah, you're, you're great. You're, you're bringing me right to the kind of pivotal moments of my life. So <laughs> When I was when I was about 26 years old, I was about 10 years ago. I just turned 37. About 26, I um, I made about a half million dollars that year, and I remember um, I was I was kind of had this like, hey, you know, once I get to a half million dollars, like like I'm gonna feel a certain way. I'm gonna have this like the world's gonna bow down to me. I was kind of being a little hubris, if you will. Right? I was kind of like, I'm gonna get there. And I remember doing it. And I remember having this conversation with my mom, who is like the least concerned about money in her entire life. And I was like, you know, mom, I did this. And she was like, oh, that's good, honey. And I was like, and at that moment, I realized that nobody actually gave a shit about what I, what I was doing really, right? Like, unless it had a direct impact on their life. And so at that moment, I actually got depressed. I went in there because I was expecting, and maybe some other people can relate to this, I was expecting this feeling to actually overtake me or some feeling to that when I hit this, that it was going to like show up my lap and like a present or something. And I was going to absorb me with it. Like, and I realized once I got there that like, wow, like nothing changed, right? Like it just, if anything, the expectation of getting there and experiencing something that was going to be there wasn't there and made me more depressed. And I can see how people that have seemingly everything get down this spiral because if you don't have somebody to help get you out of that, it can be a downward angle. And so for me, I kind of went back in that introspective and I said, well, I've been here 10 years ago because the time I was 26 and it was 10 years before I was 16. I said, I asked the question again. I think the quality of our life is determined by the quality of questions we ask. And Tony says that, Tony Robbins says that a lot. And I, mm -hmm. I believe that. And so I asked the question of what is life supposed to be? What is there a meaning to this? And so then I really went on this whole spiritual journey about finding, um, see, I believe that life is really this 200% and it's 100% in the absolute world and 100% in the material world. And this kind of absolute world is this inner world. And I believe most people spend 99% of their life focused on 100% of this external material world and they don't realize that they first need to spend 100% of their time on the 100% of the inner world because then anything you do in the outer world just becomes fun. So if it's a failure experience, it becomes fun. If it's a positive experience, it becomes fun versus tying their entire identity around this external piece. It can, you're going you're gonna to go with the flow of life. So if it's good, it's great. If it's bad, it's bad. Instead of just realizing that you are the one experiencing this all, right? And so I went on this kind of journey and, I, and what I really realized early on, which I realized it, but it took a while to apply it. I wasn't nearly as good as I am now. It took about six years, but I really started making 
life about other people. So when they came into my world, I wanted to focus about how do I make them successful? How do I make them wealthy? How do I, and I started getting more and more intrinsic value from that. And the funny thing was, is the more I focused on this, the larger my organization grew the more profitable our organization grew, the more talent we attracted. And so then it became, I still didn't fully believe it to just be real. And I, but I started seeing the effects and I'm like, well, okay, let's just keep going down this path. And then I got into transcendental meditation and then I got in some, you know, kind of advanced or retreats to go through this stuff. And then I just, again, I just kind of ended up where I am today. And, and, I, and I just used that kind of discipline in my life to gain a new perspective, which I believe is what raising our level of consciousness just means that we see the world differently. When you're a kid and you don't know a fireplace is hot, you can run over to it and touch it. Once you touch it and realize it's hot, you've raised your level of consciousness or your thinking to understand you don't touch that anymore. So therefore, the faster we can raise our level of thinking or our consciousness, the, the better we can see the world and the more clarity we can have to what it is that we need to go out there and accomplish. Amen to that, man. I love that. Uh, going back in the beginning of what you were saying, you know, about how it's so true. We look outside ourselves so much more than inside and our energy is mostly there in determining are we successful? Are we not? Are we this? Are we that? Um, compared to looking in the inner world. Um, that is also a chiropractic principle too. But awesome. One of the things I wanted to ask though is why do you think people like, because I mean, I, I do coaching and stuff and, and I see this all the time, almost. And even with patients that I work with, I see it with themselves, believing that it's an external instead of internal. Why do you think we, we have that in society? Well, I think it's partly because the way we're ingrained as, um, as young uh, kids, like I have three kids under six, two, four, and six. And, and there's so much in those formative years, there's so much learning that goes on. So if you are rewarded for external events and different things, you start really understanding that I'm rewarded for these things. So I think it starts with the root of that. And frankly, I think now in today's society, we're, we're much more open to this conversation. But you have to remember, just a decade ago, I mean, can you imagine having a meditation room in an airport, right? I mean, can you imagine having, having this conversation? People don't necessarily do that. They didn't back then. Now they do. So I think the awareness around these conversations is, is much more impactful and purposeful in people's lives. So I think in general, people... Uh, well, let me just, let me back up. I see, I think most people live their lives in what I call boxes. So the, there's three different boxes. The first box is, you know, and you can, you can hopefully kind of relate to this to somebody that you know, is they, they, they spend their first kind of 18, 20 years of their life in learning box. So they learn, but then as soon as they're done learning, they go to the next box, box which is the working box. And they actually stop learning, right? For the most part, they actually, they like check that box. Like I've done that. And they go to this working box and that's when you hear that conversation. Like, Hey, I've only got six more years left and I'm going to get this $1,100 a month payment. It's going to be amazing, right? It's going to change my life. And I just got to pound through this a little bit more and you know, I'm miserable. Hey, my job, right? They're just trying to get through this work box so they can finally get to the end box, which is the play box. And so I think people segregate their lives way too much. And so they're always concentrated on just trying to get through something instead of actually experiencing it. Whereas I kind of shaped my life and I looked at it and said, well, I, can't we do these things, all three of them every day? It doesn't mean they have to be equal, but I want to learn every day, right? right? I mean, I read one to two books a week. I know you do too as well. And how do I learn every day? How do I also learn from my experiences every day? How do I uh, work every day? Because I love what I do. I don't consider it work. And I know you share the same passion with that. Is how do I love what I do? There are times that it's work. Don't get me wrong. But mm. how do I work every day? Then how do I play, right? Playing maybe exercise. For me, it's exercise. For me, it's also with my kids. It's also reading a book. It's how do I focus myself on that play? And again, it doesn't mean that you have to play for seven hours. You can play for 30 minutes, right? You can learn for 15 minutes and you drive in in an audible, right? There's, you can listen to this podcast at your lunch. There's so many ways to just be structured in your life to gain a different perspective on this. So I think people uh, get stuck in ruts and just stay in these boxes which forces them to realize that it's everything they're looking for, they think in these boxes or externally, instead of really changing and putting the man or woman together first, which then changes the rest of the world. I love that, man. That's, uh, that's some really good stuff. Yeah. And, and, and you hit it that on. You see that often. I mean, that was a conversation growing up in my, my background. I grew up very blue collar and everyone would be like, I got three more years till retirement. I got three, <laughs> two more. You know what I mean? And it, it's crazy. It, 
such a common statement. We, I still hear today, which drives me. It just makes me, I don't want to say cringe, uh, but I'm well, just like, does, oh, right? man, what do you, you know, there's so much more. But I love how you talk about play. I, I always talk a lot about we got to return back to being childlike. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I teach is that. And I love when you brought that up because I'm going, yes, buddy, this is what, <laughs> this is what it said. Because it's all, I mean, don't get me wrong. You got to do the work, right? Sometimes yeah. it's, it, I don't want to say sucks, but sometimes it's just, it hey, does. you got to do it. Um, that's the adult part. But then the rest of it's like, hey, how do you play? How do you put that into your life? How do you have some fun with it? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that a lot of people think that like, well, they, well, what happens is they start living mediocrity and they don't realize there's another alternative. It's like, you ever been to, a, I went to a matinee over the weekend, right? And I, uh, I brought my kids to the Grinch, my six-year-old and four-year-old. It's pretty funny, actually. You guys should go see it if you haven't yet. And uh, we, uh, we went in there and, you know, they, it's light out when I went in. It was 12 o'clock in the afternoon and we go in there and the lights turn off and like the animation is so good now that you kind of forget that there's, 300 people around you and you kind of sucked into the whole movie of it. And then when the lights turn on, you're like, wow, there's other people around here and you start becoming aware to all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you open the door and it's bright out and you're like, damn, it's light out here. Like when did this happen? I think people get stuck in these movie screens and they don't even realize there's a whole other audience. There's a whole other world that's out there. So they get stuck in this kind of mediocrity. And so the only, sometimes the only way to get out of that is either a having a very tough conversation. Look, you don't change in business or in personal life when somebody having a sweet conversation with you, right? It's when people are willing to be real with you, have the conversation about what it looks like to actually make changes. You may get pissed off a little bit, but that change is going to actually give you the growth that you're looking for, right? Or same thing in business. If you're unwilling to have those radical conversations, then nothing's going to change. And I think that's just a powerful thing that we need to apply into our life so that we can continue to go out there um, and play for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. It doesn't mean you have to be, um, well, this is my point of this is like people get and they get to five o'clock or five 30, they come home and they've created this habit of, I'm going to put my feet up on the couch. I'm going to do this. And they just waste hours, like either on TV or their phone or whatever they're doing instead of realizing that, Hey, if I just became disciplined enough just to build a habit, because the habit of getting on a couch is a habit you built. You didn't do that necessarily as a child, right? You built that habit through the course of your life. You can un unbuild it, right? And then build a new one, which I believe if there's anything your listeners can take away would be that how do you how do you build a new habit once a quarter, right? Because it all, it, on average, it takes about 66 days to build a habit. And so if it takes on average 66 days, then let's just focus on one new habit a quarter. It may be flossing. It may be going to the gym. It may be telling your, your kids that you love them because that's something new and hard for you to do. Maybe giving your spouse and your family a hug every time you leave. Again, these are standards and habits that you can put in your life that make you more purposeful on that love, that play, that interaction that you're all striving for. I like that. I like how you, you know, I, I'm all, you know, always have to challenge yourself and grow and expand and one habit uh, a quarter is awesome. Yeah. Have you ever heard how it takes 90 days to make it a lifestyle? No, I haven't. Yeah, neurologically, it'll take about, you know, because you, you create the habit, but then there's the, 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 the neurotransmitters, the, 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 bio, uh, the biology of the body and how it communicates with the brain. And for it yeah. to perfectly sync and be connected, it'll take about 90 days to get there. Oh, that's awesome. I like how you said it. When you said a quarter, I was like, yeah, that works yes. for me. I like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, we actually did. So, um, one of my mentors wrote the book called the one thing and he did a bunch, they did a bunch of research on, um, on habits and, and some of them take, you know, two years, right? Like some habits take a while, like you're yeah. smoking, you may take a long time. Other ones like, you know, you're driving to a new place to work may take 30 days. And they just found that by doing all this research that on average took about 66 days. Again, some may take a lot longer. Some may be a little bit shorter, right? It just depends yeah, totally. on what it is. But again, if you, if you kind of just do that focused quarter, just think about over the last, how fast the last three years of your life went by. What if you were to able to grab a new habit every quarter? So you, you have 12 new habits in your life over the last three years. Where would you be today? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I hope the listeners grasp that because, you know, when I talk to people and they, um, you know, I've been, I've been, you've been on the journey a lot longer than I have, but you know, since I was 23, um, and, um, I, I've been always like that. I had a mentor tell me the same thing. Like, what can you learn? How can you challenge yourself? How you can grow so that you look back every year and say, okay, I've grown in this much in this areas of my life. And 
when you add that up to 12 years, like four times, four times a year, I would say that's about average for me. That's 50 different things. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. You know, yeah. and, then it, and it's like, then I get excited. I'm like, okay, that was then. Okay, now can I push it to five maybe? Can I try six? Because you want to keep, you know, growing and expanding. Yeah. If you can. So I love that. Yeah. I know you talk a lot about mediocrity and media and, and so forth. I always like to define things. So how, we, how do you define that? Well, I believe that somebody who lives in mediocrity is not taking full advantage of their life. We're all, we all have different strengths and weaknesses that we can, we can exert. But really, it's people get stuck in this mediocrity because I don't think they realize there's a whole other life that's out there. So mediocrity, is, I believe, is living somebody else's life and at the simplest terms. And now, people may hear that and go, well, I don't live somebody else's life. But if you really actually look at, I'm not saying maybe somebody, an individual, maybe the brand of the TV has, has literally you know, got you thinking a certain way or that you, know, that you are, you've built these habits based on somebody else teaching you these habits, which really aren't your life. It's like, you know, one time I was, uh, you know, I found myself like a while ago biting my fingernails, right? And I'm like, why do I bite my fingernails? It's so weird. Like, why, why am I biting my fingernails? It's weird. I'm just doing it unconsciously. And then of course, like I was, I was at like a dinner table, like a family event. I look over and, you know, my dad's biting his fingernails, right? Like it was kind of one of those things that I was like, wow, like it just kind of hit me. Like I just pick this up because of his habits. So I believe that we end up we end up um, pulling in the habits of people that are around us instead of being intentional and going out and finding the people that are getting the results that we want and then taking those models and habits and bringing them into our lives. You know, I think wisdom is on, a, on its kind of definition, in my, in my view, wisdom is, is applying a model in our system into our life before we've experienced it. Because once you've experienced it, it's no longer wisdom anymore. It's your wisdom giving out. So wisdom is before you can visually feel it or that conscious contact with it and that aha moment, you actually believe in it because you trust the source that's telling you and you're taking that model or system and applying it in your life. That's a different way of explaining vis- wisdom and I like it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. And how, you know, because I love how you say living someone else's life. And I think in today's society with social media running most people's lives, um, I think it becomes a little, uh, you know, I don't want to say people envy other people, but they try to be that person. Who's the one making the most this or who's doing the flash or who shows how happy the relationship is or X, Y, Z. Um, would you say that that's a common thing you see with, with just in generality when it comes to living a mediocre life that plays an influence? Yeah, I, you're 100% on. I mean, if you, I'll tell you this funny story. I was on a vacation in Atlantis with my family, and there was a group of, I mean, they look like high schoolers. They're probably in college, um, but there's a bunch of girls, and there's probably seven or eight of them, and they're down on the beach, and they were literally yelling at each other. Dr. Vic, I'm not even kidding. Like they were they're yelling, they're fighting, and even my wife and I look at them like, damn, what's wrong with the group? And then the sun, the sunset started coming down. And all of a sudden, there's a beautiful picture. They all stopped, like we're best friends, ran over <laughs> and took this photo of all of them, like smiling and all happy. And I'm looking at this whole thing go down, like that image, you know, every single one of them took that picture. They grabbed their phones and were on it for the next like five, you know, every single one of them posts on every single social event. And I go, you know what? That's the problem because people see that video and they're like, Oh my God, these people are so happy all the time. This marriage is amazing. I, I, you know, it's, the, it's, it's not. They're an image of something, right? There's plenty of images that just don't do the justice of everything. I just, I'm always reminded of that story that it just makes it seem like you go on social media for 30 seconds. It's like, I should be in Jamaica. I should be working more. I should be running a marathon. I should be over here, you know, serving, you know, Thanksgiving dinner to the homeless. I should be, and like you literally are caught in all of these things and you are lost because you're going, I'm done doing any of this. And so you start feeling inadequate and then you just don't do anything instead of truly understanding that like, Hey, I'm really happy for this person. It's not my life. Here's what I'm going to do. And that goes back to that mediocre statement knowing where you're going. If your listeners want, we have what's called a future self that we use on six different categories um, that we kind of write out our, our, where you want to be in, in basically a year or three years and how you want to do it. It's kind of, it's just on six different categories. You write it out as if it's already happened. And you kind of just read this thing every day. It's, again, you're being purposeful on what direction you're going in your life. And I believe once you get really purposeful on this, your RAS, that right, that articulator activator system, your prefrontal cortex starts mm-hmm. showing up. And as you know, it starts just pulling things into your life the way it's supposed to, right? Life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. And the more we can understand that, the more we experience it. 
Amen, brother. I always tell people the universe is always working for you. Uh, well, it really is, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, think about it. you were this little seed that came and were born. There's so many things that happen, like snow and weather and holding you on earth and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm wearing a pink shirt today. And this is crazy. Like, you get so wrapped up on these things. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, like, that doesn't matter. Like, that's not going to have an impact on your life. I promise you. Yeah. And that, and that's, uh, and unfortunately that's just where, I mean, society is making a change and it's people like you that, and, and, and so forth. And, you know, creating that, that, that creating the shift so people can kind of like slap them aside and Hey, wake up. There's yes. more to life than just this that you see. Hey, I, I predict, and I've, I've been sharing this, um, and I could be completely wrong. Uh, I think that the new sexy is going to be simplicity. And let me just oh, back up. So if, yep. if you, right, if you think about a hundred years ago, people that were overweight were considered sexy, right? Because food was scarce and it was a sign of wealth. You fast forward that food became ubiquitous and now it's the other way around. Now food's everywhere and that what's considered sexy is somebody who is ripped, right? Like they have abs and all this stuff. That's considered sexy. I think that with 3D printing, with all the technologies and advancements, you're going to go out there and be able to have a Ferrari. You're going to be able to have there all these things that you want in your life are going to show up in the next decade. And it's going to be the people that can actually simplify their lives and say no to everything else. The new hard is going to be the new sexy. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's the big movement. Simplicity yes. and yeah. just uh, going back and returning back to being simple is there's a huge movement of that and it's happening. Um and, and I, I, I love it when I see people, because for me in my office, I kind of get like a little, uh, I can feel a pulse or a vibe. It's a very small sample size. I'm not saying this is how it is, but when I can see practice members in my office and some of them are like, I'm tired of having this. I want to, I want to, I want to get simple. I want to get a smaller house. I want to have this. And I just want to do these things that I love. And I'm just going, awesome. That's yeah. you're, you're opening up your heart. You're doing what you want to do. You're yeah. really, you know, you're living you now instead of what you've been told. You know, we, um, I sold a house on this, on this golf course that we were in with all these neighbors and it's kind of big, bigger house. And I bought a 133 acres, but only about 20 minutes from my office was not too far out. And we built this kind of like cabin experience and we moved into it about a month ago. And it's literally been the most liberating. It's so peaceful. It's so quiet. Just like shoveling my, my deck with my kids and just throwing that over or going for a walk in, in the woods or watching the deer there or the animals that are around there to, I know it sounds like it's just I'm rattling things off, but it's just these simple things. We go there, the peace that's around you is short. We call it dubbed the bird's nest because it's kind of wrapped up in the mountains and these cool views and just being out there doing, you know, getting your hands dirty, doing those things is just, is so grounding and just feels so good that I, I can see that movement continuing to happen, just like you said. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's powerful. Oh, massively. Yeah, no, totally. And that's another thing too, like people moving more to nature now is yes. becoming a new thing. Um, well, I love it, man. This is good stuff. So you do, we talked, you know, mediocrity and so forth. I know you got something that you do, which I think is awesome. Um, your mediocrity detox challenge. What, what, tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's a five-step challenge and ultimately it's on, it's on five different categories, physical, spiritual, intellectual, purposeful, and culture. Right. And from the physical side, I believe that, you know, health is so essential. I told you that story about being overweight. So for me, that was a catalyst to start changing my thinking. It's really what it did, right? And so that to me has been important. I and I compete in Ironmans now, and I do that purely because it's growth, and I get to listen to a bunch of Audible while I'm training for those things. But for me, health is such an important thing and a goal. Uh, what we eat, how we move our bodies, uh, all of these things are just. Here's the thing: when you get up in the morning and you don't want to work out because it, people have this impression that people that work out a lot love working out. Let me just remind people: I actually don't. I actually, <laughs> I actually don't like working out. It's actually it's a lot of energy in the morning. I have to get up and I'm like, I don't want to work out today. I want to do it. And I go downstairs or in the swimming pool and I'll exercise for a couple hours. And let me tell you, when I do that, my day becomes easier because I just mentally chose to win, right? I chose to get up early. I chose to meditate in the morning. I chose to do my gratitude journal. I chose to exercise. So then when I show up in the office and it's 8.15 or 8.30, I'm ready to roll. And I'm also in like challenges I show up. They don't feel nearly as hard because I just had a killer workout that kicked my butt and I've managed that. I can manage this, right? So that physical side is moving. Now that's, that's me. It may be 10 pushups. It may be a walk around the block. It may be a yoga. It may be a, um, you know, a stretching routine and maybe pull-ups. It doesn't matter, right? The, the point is find something that you can do that gets you physically moving every day, right? I, I believe freedom is what we're all after. And I think 
freedom can be a tag to all of this. So physical freedom to me means that if I want to roughhouse with my kids or go sliding with them, I'm not getting out of breath. I have the endurance to do this and keep up with them so I don't miss anything. Then the spiritual side, this is really the ultimately just clearing mental debris, right? It's really in, in understanding that spirituality is just understanding, at least in my view, that understanding that there's something more beyond you. Now, what that is, it's up for interpretation for each person, how they believe. But I, I, it's just understanding there's something more around you. So it makes you more purposeful and serving the greater good in a way that you can. So it doesn't mean you have to be on, the, on this cliff with an ocean in the background and smoke coming up and you on your knees citing a haiku, right? That doesn't mean that. It just, just means just embracing that there's more to life than just, than just your own problems. And how do, we, how do we focus on that? And how do we clear mental debris through yoga or meditation or walks, nature or exercise, whatever you're doing. Find a way to gain clarity. I like to give an example like this. It's like if, if you took an, like a football field, right? Like an end zone, not an end zone, football field, 100 yards, right? And you have end zone, you're on one side of the end zone and you have to try to get to the next end zone. But throughout the entire 100 yards, there's all these elephants that are touching each other. Every elephant's touching each other. So you're in this end zone and you start your day off with not a ton of challenges, but the minute you get in the car, somebody cuts you off and they piss you off. And it's like you stepping one into the end to the field and you hit one elephant and they all erupt. And then they've erupted for the entire day. They're all angry, right? You just erupted. I believe when you're purposeful on your spirituality, understanding there's more, meditation, clearing that debris, gaining clarity, raising your level of consciousness, understanding life's happening for you, all of these things that you're talking about and you teach. When you do this, these kind of elephants start to disappear. So you can actually go further down the field each time a challenge happens without you exploding. Then ultimately, the goal would be to be able to get to the other end of the field. So any experience that life offers you, good or bad or even horrible, you can actually just take in stride as a moment. And that's kind of the goal, I believe, in spirituality for that. On the intellectual side, this is just that, you know, I always say, if you want a 52 to 1 advantage over your competition, of course, everyone's like, yes. And that just means that just go read a book a week, right? One book a week gets you 52 books a year and you are so far ahead. It's kind of like that box that we talked about. Never stop learning. It's kind of like that Lowe's commercial. It's like never stop improving. It's like never stop learning. Just be purposeful, whether it's podcasts or books or whatever it is. Just read a couple, listen to, I mean, I, I don't even read anymore. I listen to everything on Audible, right? Or podcasts on, on, on station. So whatever you're doing, just make sure you're very, very focused and disciplined on adding stuff to your life that's causing you to learn. Um, and then purposeful for me, this was, if I could summarize this for listeners, it would be to start measuring your day in minutes. All of us, I believe that 50% of what people are doing throughout our day right now are, um, is not even moving the needle. It's actually wasted time. You're actually just literally just wasting your time. It's like 50% doesn't even matter what you're doing, right? Meaning if we started actually realizing that, if we measured our day in minutes, what would we change? I believe that every appointment that we're on can be cut by 50%. If you have a 30-minute meeting, bring it down to 10 minutes, right? Just try it. Feel like you understand because a 30-minute meeting drags out and you wasted people's time. So if you start measuring your day in minutes, your day looks different. Because the way I look at my life is that I work four structured days a week. It doesn't mean I'm not learning or reading or journaling about my life and business outside of that. But I've, I have this kind of time where I said, okay, I'm willing to allocate a certain amount of time in these four days to my work. If I can't accomplish this, I either have the wrong people or I have different, too many priorities. So it forces me to eliminate or hit that delete button on things that don't matter. So I concentrate on things that actually do. Again, that's just by, if we can just measure our day in minutes, you'll be much more purposeful on your life. And that's going to be, that's going to leak into everything else, like measuring your money in dollars instead of larger bills, because that can happen really fast too and go the other way. And then the last one is kind of this culture shift, right? It's just understanding understanding that your business is leading to personal growth. And I don't, mean, I don't mean you as an owner. I mean, you inside a business, you're going through challenges that you most normally wouldn't. Like who likes lawsuits? Well, I don't, right? But like, you're going to get them, right? Who likes people that quit on a random note and you're leading three people and this is the worst time? Well, guess what? You get to learn how to fight through that. So that, that conduit becomes the business so that we can learn. But the most important thing is the culture around this that you're hiring people that think and act like you. Now, look, I'm not saying they need to enjoy the same sports as you or even the same you know, politics as you, but they've got to have the same characteristics. So you're hungry, you have your curiosity, right? You always look for win-win situations. You're willing to put the company first. Those type of traits in your culture. Remember, culture isn't something you can define. 
Culture is defined by the people you hire. So get clear on what it is that you want to be. Be, be willing to be open about who you are as a person so people can walk in and say, I hate Adam or I love Adam, right? And then either way, they're clear on who you are. So you're actually attracting the people who share your culture. Massive nuggets there, brother. I, I, uh, I'm trying to go back and say, which one do I want to dive in first here? <laughs> this is really good stuff. I mean, movement is life, getting right back to physical, right? You got to move. And uh, that's something that we preach as chiropractors on so many levels. Uh, but even as uh, just on the physical level, just getting up and moving uh, really wakes up the brain and gets you going. So I, I love that. Awesome. What got you into like Ironmans and stuff? What, what motivated you to go that route? That's a great question. So about two years ago, I, uh, you know, I'd been kind of exercising, doing different things. And I just got really bored. And I was like, you know what, like, what's, what's something that's going to challenge me? What's something that I can do differently? And I, uh, I started, you know, of course, when you start asking the question, things show up. And so one of my friends kind of was doing a, like a mini triathlon. And I was like, dude, I've never swam before. Actually, when I started two years ago, um, in October, so it's just over two years ago now, I had never swam ever, except for like, you know, I could swim, but not like swim, swim, right? Um, I never ridden a road bike or even been on a road bike ever. Um, and I never ran a timed race before, like a 5K or anything. And so I, I went and I hired the best coach I could find. And I, uh, <laughs> I ended up following this model and just, I kind of used it as an experiment to kind of motivate and inspire my own employees um, to go out there and do something of their own. And I just started following this model and it forced me to get more purposeful in my time. Cause I was now out adding two to three hours. And then, you know, most days during the week and then Fridays and Saturdays, I ended up, you know, doing five or six hours a day and exercise. So I had to get really purposeful in my time. So it was a gift in itself. I ended up taking Fridays off because I didn't want to interrupt my weekend. So I started doing my long training on Fridays. And so that made me even more purposeful in my business. So all these cool benefits came aside. And then within a year of me starting all of this, I qualified for the world championship in October of the, of last year, which is, which is cool. And it's not a testament to me because I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing anything different. Than anybody else could. It's just that when you get purposeful in your life and you don't cheat yourself. So if a workout shows up in there, I just did it. Right. I just followed it. I didn't cheat myself on these things. There's so much you can accomplish and you can always find time. Here's the thing. Time is not the cheat. People think that it is. People think that that people can cheat on time. Well, we all have 24 hours in a day. So time is not the cheat. What the cheat is, is how purposeful you are with your time. I couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, when you're purposeful, you're on fire, you get more stuff done. And it's amazing how much, like I love when you were saying 30 minute meeting, make it 10 minutes. And it's, it's funny when you do that, if you say, you know what, I can get this done in 10 minutes, we'll figure out a way. And it just happens. Yes, it does. Yes, it I does. Love, cool. I love that. And then um, I'm going blank here for a second. I know the question will come back, but I just, I love all the purpose. I mean, <clears throat> just everything of these. So these are the five things that you, you do for your mediocrity uh, detox. Yeah. yeah. The physical, the spiritual, intellectual, purposeful, and culture. Just here's the thing. Don't try to go out there and kick all these things off because that would be an overachiever and I don't want you to do that. I just want you to go out there <laughs> And just focus on one of these things. Go say, you know what? You know, I'm just going to time my watch for two minutes and I'm just going to meditate. Uh, meditate means just stop. Just stop. You know what the thing is? So I meditate actually right after this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into meditation because I, I have walked off my calendar. But here's the thing. Sometimes, look, we're all so busy and so productive and so many things going on. Sometimes the, just forcing yourself to stop in the middle of everything that's going on is the meditation itself. Just being able to go, you know what? I'm going to control this, not the other way around. So just being able to stop for 10 minutes in the chaos of everything that's going on in your life and saying, I got it. I'm going to find a quiet place. That right there is just is building the muscle. I know your or, the mind's an organ, but you're building the muscle in your mind, right? To, to really be able to just understand that you are the one that's, that's kind of controlling this versus the other way around. No, so true. I mean, the best research out there now is showing how the brain actually works like a muscle. I mean, not, you know, physically, but um, how it can be trained and conditioned. Yeah. Which is really, isn't, really it, isn't it like, it's like all the neurons are basically, and synapses are basically new every like 24 months or something like that, or even sooner. Like, did I read something like that? You probably know it, better than that. It, it varies. It depends who you talk to. Some people say it takes seven years. Some people say it can take about a year and a half. It just depends who you read. Um, but no, it can, I mean, it definitely can. And you know, your brain's plastic, literally it, it could be mellow. It's malleable. So you can, 
change it any given time, any given moment. So it's cool for the listeners to hear that and understand that no matter where you are now, within four, five, six years, five, right, maybe seven, you could be complete. You could be a completely different person, literally, physically, and mentally. And I think that's an inspiring thing. What I kind of share with people is that you know we talk about change and transforming and all that. As I say, within one year. 99.8% of all the molecules of what your body was made up last year is completely different this year. That's awesome. So that's so just, cool. just imagine what you can shift and change, you know, yeah. so that's, that's the kind of concept behind that. Love it. Um, so you talk about, you know, meditation. I know, I know you have a morning routine. I, I definitely can tell just from chatting with you and everything. <laughs> so uh, I love talking about morning routines. I'm a massive fan of them. So what's your, what's your recipe? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I think the most purposeful people in their lives is where I got it, kind of got mine from is just as, has a very structured morning. It's where you win. So I wake up anywhere between three and 4am. And the reason why I get up that early is based on the volume of my training. I only, I need to, I need to kick it out most of it, um, in the morning. So I don't interrupt my family time either. So I make a sacrifice at night. Frankly, for me, I don't think anything good comes up at nine o'clock anyways, right? Like it's just like, you just, for me, it just doesn't happen, right? You don't eat cake at three in the morning, right? You do it not. <laughs> so um, three or four, depending on the volume of training. The first thing I do is I spend, um, I get a glass of water, right? And, and grab that. Then I go right into a meditation for 20 minutes. Um, and as soon as I'm done my meditation, I go right into a series of journaling. I use Evernote. I've been doing this for about six years. And my journaling is, the first journal I have is just a, it's just a gratitude journal. It's just, and this is, I just, anything, I just want to get myself in the rhythm. So I'm grateful for the snow. I'm grateful for um, the wind last night. Thank you, God. I'm grateful for uh, my team. I'm grateful for my snuggle with my son last night. Just it doesn't matter. Just, I just, and I do this about 10 minutes. And I usually write about a hundred things that I'm grateful for. I just get into a rhythm, right? Boom, boom, boom. Just kind of do that. And then from there, I go right into a journal about each one of my kids. And I've started this since they were um, essentially in the wound. And um, one of the reasons why I use Evernote is because I take photos of my kids just about every day and I bring those photos into their journal. And so each day I, I struggle sometimes staying in the moment. I may be the only one, but I struggle the day before I have so much stuff in my mind and I can miss things um, because of that. And so I've put a structure in place to force myself to find something that they did or said or knew on them that keeps me present with them for just a little while longer that I know that I'm going to journal about the next day. So I journal about each one of my kids. Uh, and then I bring in accompanying photos of that. So they have a whole life experience based on that. The other thing is, is look, I don't remember much in my life when I was four five and six. And so if something were to happen to me today, cause you know, nobody's guaranteed anything in this life. And if that were to happen, I would want there to be a, uh, a journal of how much I cared for my kids, uh, how much I love them. And, uh, and more importantly, passing along the intangible assets, what I believe are crucial in life, which are um, infiltrated throughout all of their journals so they can go back and have that. Um, so they're never guessing who I was. Um, and so that's kind of my purpose of doing that uh, journal for my kids. And then I do one for my wife every day, which sometimes can take longer because it's a gratitude. And sometimes I'm myself happy for but uh, I force myself to, to find something. I'm just kidding. But I force myself to find something about her again so that when I see her, my energy is in the right spot. Um, so that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching her with, with positive energy so she doesn't feel anything from me. And then I go right into the kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life. It's kind of like my full one one. This is just kind of like, my, like what's going good, what's not going good, what challenges are showing up, what do I need to focus on, do I, what list do I need, what do I need to accomplish, what's important. I'm just gaining clarity in this, right? And typically when I'm doing this, I start firing off emails to key leadership people, start setting the tone for what I think is the most important thing you need to accomplish that day uh, or, or help with them. So I, I, I journal about that, just getting that. I'm, just, I'm trying to clear debris, trying to gain clarity and just, and just remove any thoughts that are going on there. So I have room to go out there and tackle the day. And then from there, I go, I jump right into training. And again, that goes for anywhere from two to three hours, typically in the morning, unless it's a long day, but that's on Fridays and I, and I don't have structured work from there. Um, and on Saturday mornings, it's long too. And so then I go from there and then I'm usually done around 7.15, 7.30, which my kids are kind of there and I'm, I'm hanging out with them for a little while before they go to, to school so I could eat breakfast with them and just talk, hug, 
I have a standard in my life that if I have the opportunity that I always kiss and hug my kids before they leave or I leave, and it's just something I won't compromise on and make sure that I tell them right, that I love them right in their heart. And so that's kind of a little thing that I have. So I make sure I do that. And then um, I also encourage them to inspire people every day. I got a side note. It was so funny. My six-year-old, um, we write notes to our kids. Um, well, my wife writes notes to our kids every day in their lunchbox. Um, and and there she was writing one out. And my daughter says, hey, mom, can I, can, I, uh, can I write a note to myself? And she's like, sure. And she's like, how do you spell expire? And she's like, expire? And she's like, how do I spell expire? And so she told her, and later on that day, we brought the lunch bags home and, and it says, um, I need to expire someone today. And that was her note. And what she meant to say was inspire someone today. So sometimes <laughs> when, they, when you don't think your kids are listening, they are. And uh, that's just a really cool kind of moment. Um, so I get to that and then I get right, I'm usually in my office by 8.15, 8.30. Then I work in blocks from 8.30 until about 11.30. Um, and that becomes a, a solid block of where my EA or chief of staff can put things in my calendar for that time. And then from 11.30 to 1.30 is blocked off for Adam time. I meditate, I eat. Sometimes I check emails. I'll get the pulse of my organization. Just, it's just time that I have blocked off. So nothing goes in there. And then from 1.30 until 4 is another block of time. And then from 4 to 4.30 is cleanup. And then I, I usually try to hit the road between 4.30 and 4.45. So I'm home and purposeful with my family. Um, for the next kind of three hours to get my kids to bed. And then right around eight o'clock, I'll, I'll typically revisit emails, um, fire off a few if I need to, and then uh, uh, kind of wrap up my day. I'm usually in bed before nine o'clock. I love it, man. That that's that right there, listeners, is living on purpose right there. I mean, you're just rock solid, nail it and out, and uh, you get a lot of crap done, I bet. Yeah, well, it's... it's <laughs> You do. It's fun. You can, you can accomplish far more than you ever, than you ever thought you could. Real quick. That's why I wanted to ask you about the purposeful thing. Four days a week. What made you shift to that gear to say, Hey, this is my four days. This is why I'm going to be working that. Well, yeah, I kind of tell, I started telling that story. It's just fascinating how, you know, life gives us gifts. And, um, so two years ago when I started doing Ironmans, I started like having to take off every Friday. I was like, you know, Amy, don't book anything for Friday. Don't book anything for Friday. And then because I just, I didn't want to spend Saturday and Sunday, seven hours a day exercising, right? It just didn't make sense for me. And I was like, I'm not going to do this. And so I said, well, what can I do? And so I started blocking it off. And then about a month later, she walks in, she goes, I'm just going to block off every Friday and pretend you don't work. And that's how it started. And so then I shifted everything those four days and it became this gift. And so the really neat thing is um, my, uh, for the last two years, I've been able so if I, my kids go to a private school, so we kind of, um, and, and two of them are not into kindergarten yet. Only my oldest one is. And so they go four days a week or one of my, one of them goes four days a week and on Fridays they have off. So I've usually done my training by 10 o'clock in the morning. And so then I spend father son time on Fridays with my son. It's just alone time for him. And this is the last year we'll be able to do it. I take him to Panera. I take him to snowboarding or skiing. I, you know, we go around to some of our job sites or commercial buildings, teaching them and stuff on this. I bring them to the office sometimes and teach them about, you know, people and different things. And I'm just spending the whole day with him, right? And we have what's called No Rule Friday, which means that they can, they can listen to their iPads because we're purposeful on how much time they can have. But on Fridays, they can kind of eat what they want a little bit. And like, we just have a No Rule Friday. And um, so we kind of, we, we share this whole thing on Fridays for it. Um, and then my son is going to start school next year. Um, so it'll be five days a week. And then my youngest daughter, who will be three then, starts that transition with me for the next two years of spending time with me for that Friday. So that become, became the gift of it. I love it, man. Yeah, I, I transitioned to four days a week about a little over a year and a half ago. And it's been, uh, at first I was like, what the heck? How am I going to get everything done? And then it became... I have so much time. I don't know <laughs> what I have more time on my hands. What's going on here? It doesn't make sense. Pretty cool. Isn't it though? Oh, it, I mean, when you get purposeful, uh, yeah. it's just amazing how things will transform and, and so forth. I, I can't, uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, before we close, I mean, uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask about, I know your meditation practice, um, what kind of, um, I heard transcendental meditation. Um, is there a specific type you do? Cause I know listeners are very curious about that. Yeah. So I do TM. I've tried a couple other methods. I think they can be very important, impactful for other people. They just didn't work necessarily for me. I'm more of a model systems guy. So the TM is a, is a very structured model and they teach you how to do it over a four day kind of course. 
and then you can go and, and go and get touch-ups whenever you want. It's just they basically they give you a mantra and you just kind of you just sit comfortably and you start using the mantra. And the purpose of that is to bring your subconscious level down so it's not thinking about anything but that. And then you can hit transcendental meditation if you can, and that transcending of it. Um, but that's been really impactful in my life. And we've gotten a bunch of people in my work to uh, to take it up. And some stay with it, some don't. Um, but I definitely see the the clarity that I gained from that is is instrumental. That was, that was one of my practices about 10 years ago. I got in the TM. Awesome. Uh, D, I think Deepak Chopra is a big guy yeah. who was one of the ones that uh, he got me introduced into it. And I was just like, cool, another meditation technique. Let's do it. And then it, it, it served me well for a while. And I loved it. Um, and there's a lot of people that preach a lot of good things about it. So um, I love it, man. How can people get a hold of you, contact you uh, if they want to reach out to you and learn more about you? Yeah, adamhergenrother.com. Uh, adamhergenrother.com is the, by far the best. And we have a blog that I do every week and, and videos that I do. And so feel free to go and, and subscribe to that if you, if you like this. And, uh, but go there and you can find out about all the you know, job opportunities that we have. Uh, we're in 23 states. And so we've got a, got a lot of different things going on out there. But feel free to go to that website and it kind of links you to everything. Awesome, brother. I want to thank you for being on, man. This was awesome. Um, I love talking with people who live the same passion, have that, you know, kind of same principle, living a purposeful life and just changing lives, man. I, I greatly appreciate uh, connecting with you on here. Well, thanks so much. And keep doing what you're doing and inspiring other people that get out of mediocrity and, and may not use that word, but I know that when people listen to that, they're, they're making changes in their life. So congrats for all, all that you're doing. Thanks, brother. Well, we'll be talking soon again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential.